Welcome to the Alive and Well podcast. On Alive and Well, we interview leaders in the health and wellness industries who have amazing insight on how to improve your health and navigate your personal path to wellness. This episode is sponsored by NHC, an online vitamin and supplement store that sells a wide variety of quality, professional, and retail brands. I'm your host, Brittany Adams, and today I had the privilege of speaking with Hannah Crum. Hannah is the kombucha mama and the originator of the Kombucha Camp Workshop in 2004. She and her husband partnered to create kombuchacamp.com, the top informational site for kombucha in the world. With a stated mission to change the world one gut at a time, the website was founded to provide clear and quality information about the brewing process and kombucha lifestyle. Hi, Hannah. Thanks so much for being with me today. Thanks for having me, Brittany. Great to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to dig in and talk about kombucha. I think um, it's obviously a, a very rising health topic, and um, it's something that is flooding the shelves of every health food store and just grocery store in general. And uh, I'm really excited to learn more about it and, and to learn how to make it yourself as well. So, um, so yeah, thanks so much for, for joining me, and let's just dig right in. <laughs> Sounds good. Cool. So uh, for maybe some of our listeners who might not exactly know what kombucha is, can you explain what it is and uh, what are some of the health benefits of drinking it? Absolutely. So um, kombucha is basically fermented tea. Uh, We as human beings consume a lot of different fermented foods and sometimes we don't even realize uh, certain things are fermented. So for example, sauerkraut is fermented cabbage. Um, beer, of course, is fermented malt and hops. Wine is fermented grapes. And kombucha is fermented tea. And then yogurt is fermented milk. And we really think of ourselves more as like the 21st century yogurt. Uh, mm-hmm. We're probably too young to remember. Um, but it used to be you couldn't buy yogurt at the grocery store. You had to make it yourself. And then uh, Dan and marketed yogurt um, and it became incredibly popular and now it's a multi-billion dollar industry and it's on everybody's weekly grocery list and mm-hmm. so we really see kombucha as following that same kind of trend just like you observed you're starting to see it not just in the whole foods but also at the regular grocery stores and even at some convenience stores and places like that where traditionally we didn't see a lot of healthy beverages mm-hmm. um, but people drink kombucha because Uh, It helps with digestion. So that's going to be one of the top benefits that we hear people say it helps them with. And that's because of the healthy organic acids that it creates. And, of course, you know, fermented foods have been our buddies for a really long time. So they're there to help support our gut health and make sure that everything is running in the engine as it should. Mm -hmm. So um, besides digestion, we also hear people say it helps boost their energy and just makes them feel good. Um, now, I know you drink kombucha, Brittany. What, mm-hmm. what is it about kombucha that brings you back? Um, well, I, I definitely enjoy the taste. I enjoy that it's um, a little bit of caffeine, but without, you know, the, the acid that comes with coffee and things like that. And obviously, um, there's much more health benefits to kombucha than there are, you know, coffee or tea. Uh, well, regular coffee or tea. I know kombucha actually is tea. Um, but yeah, those are some of the benefits I enjoy for sure. Right. Yeah. For me, it was definitely, I noticed improved digestion at first, and then my skin really cleared up. And more than anything, what drinking kombucha has done is just 
reminded me that, you know, what I'm putting into my body directly impacts what's being expressed by my body. And I think it's too easy in today's culture to be disconnected from that concept. And so here we are eating foods that maybe don't support a healthy lifestyle. We don't feel great, but then we're not sure what it is we're doing wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, just because it's healthy doesn't mean it it tastes funny. Although with kombucha, I will say there's definitely an acquired taste. Mm -hmm. But I remind everybody that even their first sip of coffee probably tasted pretty nasty too. And yet here we are drinking it every day. So um, it's definitely an acquired taste like, um, like a lot of the finer things in life. Yeah, it's true. But they do, I've noticed there's just more and more interesting flavors of kombucha, which is fun. It makes me want to keep trying all the all the different flavors. <laughs> Definitely. And it's super creative and every brand tastes different, mm-hmm. right? It really is a craft product similar to craft beer right. in that, um, you know, you can have the same exact flavor, like let's say ginger, which is the most popular flavor of kombucha, but you can try that across like three or four different brands and not one of them will taste the same. Right. And so that's kind of what's really exciting about our industry is that it's just super creative. And then when you're making it at home, you know, the places I like to draw on for flavoring, first I started with my backyard. What little herbs did I have growing here? A little lavender, a little oregano, mm-hmm. um, you know, going to your farmer's market, seeing what fruit is in season, or even going to frozen fruit or juices or starting with just your favorite you know, like let's say you love strawberries, like that's a great place to start mm-hmm. and getting really creative from there. And then, like you said, we've seen things like hot kombucha, coffee kombucha. So people are really playing around with these different flavor profiles. So really it's, you know, choose your own adventure when it comes to kombucha, especially mm-hmm. when you start making it at home. Yeah, that's awesome. So what got you started in making and working with kombucha? You know, I call it kombucha kismet. I really had no clue about kombucha at all. (laughs) And then in the early 2000s, I went and visited a friend in college who had moved to San Francisco. And, you know, San Francisco is a pretty groovy town. So Mm -hmm. we got quite an education, even just hanging out at his apartment. And one of the stops was the kombucha. So they had this box of jars. They're all covered up with claws. And there's weird floaty things in there. And we didn't even taste it. But that word, kombucha, it just stuck in my mind. So when I came back to L.A. and went to Whole Foods, well, there it was. It was right Mm -hmm. on the shelf. So I cracked it open, had my first sip. And I don't know about you, Brittany, but most people I talk to, their first sip is a little bit like, oh, what did I get myself into? (laughs) Um, For me, I love that kind of really tangy flavor because it reminded me of pickle juice, which Mm, was something that I'd been a little bit of like a pickle Themed growing up, and my mom would yell at me whenever I sneak a pickle juice. But here it was—I was buying a whole bottle of yeah. stuff that almost tasted like pickle juice. Um, and I just fell in love with the flavor, and I fell in love with how it made me feel because I think at that time I was definitely still more processed foods, more of the standard American diet. wasn't really doing a lot of, you know, um, wasn't really conscious about the kinds of foods I was putting in my body, and so mm-hmm. too feel that nutritional living form hit my system my body was like yes how can I get more of this into my into my life and so like a lot of people my thirst outgrew my budget and so since I had seen those mysterious jars I decided to just get my own and try it and you know I think the fact that I can do it and made it successful is just a testament to anyone being able to do it as I was not really much of a you know home ec student or much of a cook at home prior to this and 
it really is very simple. If you can brew a cup of tea, you can make kombucha. Wow. Awesome. So uh, can you kind of walk us through how to make kombucha at home? Absolutely. It's really very simple. I have a great catchy little tune that will help you never forget how to make your kombucha. It goes like this. It goes kombucha tea. Easy as one, two, three. <laughs> brew sweet tea. Add a scoby. Wait a week and then repeat. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's okay. so great. I'll break it down. I'll break it down. No, I know. It's fun. And I feel like kombucha just gets my creative juices flowing too. I just, I have a lot of fun with it. So, yeah. uh, the, but the steps are simple. So we're brewing sweet tea. That means we're brewing tea. We take mm-hmm. four to six tea bags. We put that into four cups of water. We like to make a concentrate. And this recipe is on our website for anyone who wants to uh, read those steps um, at home. But we, we brew that that tea, we take out the tea bags after about 10, 15 minutes. We pour in one cup of sugar. Yes, that's a lot of sugar, but we stir it into the hot tea concentrate water until it's all dissolved. Then we bring the temperature down quickly by using cool water um, so that it's more like room temperature. If anyone has ever baked bread or worked with commercial yeast, you know that it has this kind of lukewarm temperature range at which it fries, and that's true for kombucha as well. So we don't want to put the SCOBY, which is our culture, it stands for Symbiotic Culture of Bacteria and Yeast. And so, as the name implies, there's yeast and bacteria working together in this process. So we bring the temperature of the water down quickly so we can immediately float that SCOBY in there. And then on top, we pour one cup of strong starter liquid. Um, from there, we put a cloth cover over it. We let it just kind of hang out at room temperature. Ideally, our temperature range is 75 to 85, with 80 being the sweet spot. And, you know, not everybody is that warm year-round, so we do have, like, heaters and things that help. You can brew at slightly cooler temps. It just takes longer, but if it's too cold, that's when it can end up going to mold. And, of course, like any food that's moldy, you just want to throw that away mm-hmm. and start over with a fresh culture. Um, but once we've left it alone for about a week or so, come back with a straw, lift up that cap, take a sip, and just see, does it have a sweet sour balance that you like? If it's still too sweet, we let it ferment for another couple of days. If it's already tangy, the next time you know you need to come and harvest it sooner. Um, but basically, once it has that tasty flavor, we go ahead and now you'll have two scobies because the culture will replicate, and that new scoby is always going to grow across the top. So the mother will be underneath it. She can be at the bottom of the jar. She can be anywhere in the jar, really. The new layer always grows across the top. We take both those scobies out. Then we immediately take out our starter liquid for the next step. You want to take that right from the top, kind of like a little offering. You take out one to two cups of liquid, put it with our scobies, and now everything else in the jar is yours to drink. So this is where we can... Um, put different fruits and flavorings in the bottle, and then you pour the kombucha over it and just seal it up. We still like to give it another day or two on the countertop because the yeast will build natural effervescence. Um, basically, the sugar in the fruit or the you know nutrients in the ginger is going to reactivate the yeast, which gets them making bubbles again. And so when you put that in a tight, tightly capped bottle, you're keeping those bubbles in the liquid. Gotcha. So you want to... That's how I make kombucha, and then we start over again. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. So you want to keep um, the kombucha fermenting for a few days, like, with the flavoring in it? After yes. you remove it? Okay. Ideally. I just want to make sure I understood. Okay. Exactly right. Yeah, so basically because kombucha is essentially tea vinegar, right, it has mm-hmm. that tangy flavor, 
um, it's going to do a really great job extracting the nutrients out of the fruit or the herbs or whatever you're mm. putting in there and pass those benefits on to you. So like if you see some of those kombuchas on the shelves with those beautiful jewel tones, oftentimes that's coming directly from the fruit. Whatever they're infusing into it is pulling those beautiful colors and those nutrients into the liquid. Cool. Wow. That's awesome. So I thought that was going to be way more complicated. <laughs> That's pretty simple. <laughs> well, the complicated part is like any recipe, just because you have the steps and the ingredients and you follow it doesn't mean you end up with something that tastes right. good. Yeah. Right. So that's where the feedback, the tasting the kombucha, the observing how it grows, the paying attention to the environment, right? Like all the little subtle pieces, that's where the art of kombucha comes in. Mm-hmm. It comes in by learning the kombucha That's what we call all of our <laughs> steps, right? Like, we've got this little rhythm here, and it takes a few rounds to really get into that rhythm, to not forget the sugar, to remember what order to do things in or whatever. But once you kind of get into that rhythm, then it really opens up this whole world of creativity because there's just so much we can do with it. Yeah. So why, um, why a whole cup of sugar? What, what is the, the benefit of the sugar? Yeah, so the sugar is really a vital nutrient for the microorganisms. And I think, you know, it's easy to get caught up today in wanting to be healthy. And, you know, we have a bad habit in the United States of, like, demonizing certain things. And it's not to say that too much sugar isn't a bad thing. Of course it is. Too much of anything is bad for us, you know. Too much water and you drown. No, I don't know. Um, The point being is that. The sugar isn't for you, and I think that's the important thing to remember, Mm. and that's why when you taste the kombucha, it doesn't, you know, it has a sweet, sour flavor, and the sweet is really there as like the teaspoon of medicine, or sorry, the teaspoon of sugar that helps the medicine go down. If we were to allow all of the sugar to be removed from the kombucha, it just would be basically vinegar, which some people do enjoy drinking, but they often do it in small quantities, Mm -hmm. very concentrated. You might even put a little honey with it. So, again, you're always trying to find that little bit of sweet to help the sour um, balance. And so with kombucha, we can allow the sugar to just naturally create those acids and that balance. Gotcha. So you're not actually really consuming the sugar, but, like, the SCOBY is consuming the sugar. Is that kind of the idea? That is kind of the idea. And then what happens is, you know, sucrose is a disaccharide. That means it, it that molecule is made up of both fructose and glucose. So you have two types of sugars bonded together in a crystal. And what happens is the fermentation process breaks that apart so that it ends up having a glow, lower glycemic impact on the body. So when you consume fermented sugar, um, that's already been broken into those easier-to-process components. And think of it like this, like fermentation is digestion that's happening outside of the body. Mm -hmm. So what that means is, you know, just like we have bacteria and yeast in our gut that are helping to break down our food and extract the nutrition from it, this is all happening outside of your body. So then when you go to consume the finished kombucha, um, now it's already in a form that's been broken down. It's easy for the organisms in your body to extract that nutrition. And this is why people get this little kind of energy boost from kombucha because it's like you're having a little vitamin shot, except mm-hmm. um, all of those nutrients are in a form that the body's evolved to recognize instantly and can instantly utilize. Wow. Yeah, that's true. I haven't thought about that that way before at all. So that's great. <laughs> and this is what I mean about kombucha has taught me so much about food and just understanding how the human body works and the human microbiome and our immune yeah. system and that's the other reason I think 
kombucha and other fermented foods are coming to the forefront right now. Um, mm-hmm. We've been consuming processed foods for a really long time, and unfortunately, they haven't, you know, been able to support our bodies in the way that we like, right? Because we still have instances of cancer and diabetes and all these other diseases and things. And so when we start to go back to kind of, you know, why do we eat in the first place, which is, of course, to feed the microorganisms that run our bodies, Mm -hmm. um, it starts to make sense why more isn't necessarily better, but quality over quantity is what becomes really important. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So when you're making kombucha, what type of tea is best to use? So tea is a is a camellia sinensis, and um, we I call them terms of convenience because like we'll say things like peppermint tea, which has no camellia sinensis at all. It's just the peppermint leaves. But because we're steeping it in a similar fashion to tea, we then give it that name tea or herbal tea. And so um, that can be confusing for some folks. So it is really crucial that we're using camellia sinensis. So all tea, black tea, green tea, white tea, all tea comes from that same plant. When it's picked and how it's processed is what gives it its unique flavor profiles and colors. So traditionally, kombucha was brewed with black tea, but these days we find a lot of people will blend black and green because each has their own health benefits. So you get kind of a a blend there, plus it lightens the flavor a little. When you do the black tea kombucha, you get kind of an apple-y, more of a malic acid type of flavor that has kind of that apple-y flavor to it. When we do the green tea and a little bit of the lighter teas, you know, it just has some different types of flavor profiles. And so as long as you're using tea that isn't flavored, that's going to be perfect for your kombucha. Gotcha. And no herbal tea. So it has to actually be tea from tea leaves. So this is the whole thing about it and why it gets confusing is that's not necessarily true. The SCOBY itself is flexible technology. That means we can throw it into things like coffee. We can throw it into things like yerba mate. We could Mm -hmm. do just hibiscus and no tea at all. So we can experiment and do a lot of different things with our SCOBY. Mm -hmm. But for our very first batch, until the mother's reproducing, until we have a hotel full of extra SCOBYs that we can play around with, we always recommend just sticking with the tea and sugar. And then, again, even with the sugar, you can play around with maple syrup or agave or you know, different types of sweeteners in the primary, just know that you'll need to adjust, um, you know, how long you're brewing it for and things like that because the flavors will change as well. So gotcha. so this is why it gets a little tricky and complicated. The basic rule is tea and sugar, mm-hmm. but once you have extras, you're free to explore with any type of, you know, anything that starts to cross your imagination. Gotcha. That's awesome. So you had mentioned the SCOBY a couple of times. What would be the best place um, that you found to actually buy a SCOBY? Because you can't, or maybe maybe you can, but it's probably more difficult to create your own SCOBY, right, <laughs> from scratch? Well, I mean, the beauty of yeah. SCOBYs is that they're highly reproductive. And it used to be you could go into any store, buy a bottle of kombucha, and oh. just grow a SCOBY that way. And that was really fun to do. And you still can try and do that as an experiment. These days, because... Um, the manufacturing of the product has proliferated and really our culture loves small batch but then to make it at a large scale you can't always do small batch and so um, that means sometimes elements are filtered out of it or there's just things that happen in the manufacturing process that means sometimes the kombucha in the store doesn't necessarily have every single thing that that it has 
if you were like doing a homebrew. And I think that's true for a lot of things that you buy at the store versus you make at home, right? right. Um, and so we are, at Kombucha Camp, we are bacteria farmers, which oh, is wow. a title I never <laughs> thought I would <laughs> ever have, but that's exactly what we do is we grow bacteria. And mm-hmm. so um, you can always grab a SCOBY from us, know that it's a mm. trusted source, all organic ingredients, fluoride-free water, FDA inspected facility. So um, you've got the confidence, plus our cultures are guaranteed, and we do an amazing amount of customer support. So you're, you're fully supported through the process. So awesome. if you're not sure where to go, I would definitely come to Kombucha Camp for your first SCOBY, and then you can experiment from there. Yeah, that's great. Very cool. So um, how often should someone be drinking kombucha to get like the maximum benefits, the maximum digestion, and you mentioned skin health as well? Yeah, I mean, should is kind of a funny question, you know, and I get that like, again, our society is trained to, well, what's the dose? Well, what are the rules? What's the, and the reality is that we need to come back to listening to our bodies and Mm -hmm. what I call closing the feedback loop. And kombucha is a really awesome way to start this process. So um, let me describe what it is that I do. So first thing in the morning on an empty stomach, I'll take some kombucha. That could be a couple ounces. It might be eight ounces. It just kind of depends on the day. Sometimes I'll even put some water in there just to dilute the flavor a little bit, give myself a little more hydration. So it's kind of, and that's a great way to start people off if they're new to kombucha or think that the flavor is too sour because that will shift the pH and make it easier to drink. What happens is after about 10, 15 minutes, I'll feel my organs relax, which is like, it's a strange wow. sensation if you're not used to feeling that. But just like my stomach just has this like, ah, oh, this like warmth or relaxation that happens to it. And then if I'm feeling good still, I'll go ahead and drink more. If I'm feeling like, oh, this, you know, I'm relaxed and now I need to go to the bathroom and get rid of some stuff, then maybe I would choose to not drink as much in that moment. Um, so it's really listening to that feedback and what we call trust your gut. That means do what feels good for you. Here's another example. Some people, when they first start drinking kombucha, they're so thirsty for it and they can't get enough. And then they're worried like, oh, no, I'm addicted. But that's not true. What's happening is your body has a nutritional deficiency and kombucha is helping. So whether that's the organic acids, whether that's the B vitamins in living form, whether it's the vitamin C, who knows what it is necessarily, but if you're craving it, listen to that and give your body what it needs what you'll find is over time it'll gradually taper off so like I used to drink kombucha every single day and now I have zero to 32 ounces in a day that means some days I have no kombucha at all and eventually after a couple of those days I could really feel it and then some days I'm like you know downing bottle after bottle so it's really that ebb and flow listening to your body and you know some people like to have a consistent you know two ounces three times a day. So it really just depends on you and how your body's responding. If you're someone who would like to enjoy kombucha, but you find it's frequently sending you to the bathroom, then you might want to try a different fermented food or drink, maybe a water keeper or a milk keeper or something like that, which have different organisms and maybe won't impact your body the same way. And then once kind of your body's had a chance to acclimate to those fermented foods, then come back to the kombucha and try it then. So What this means is that there isn't just a one-size-fits-all prescription, so to speak, for kombucha. Rather, it's, you know, listening to your body, seeing how it feels when you consume it, and then trusting that information. And now apply that to everything you put in your body. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's a great rule of thumb to just really do with anything. That's so true. 
So um, what are some of your favorite kombucha recipes? Um, so the flavor, the, the my favorite flavor, my favorite flavor, hashtag favorite flavor, um, <laughs> is Love Potion 99. So this is blueberry, lavender, and rose. Mm. I just, the flowers, I use the actual petals, the rose petals, and just a little pinch of the lavender petals. And uh, roses are naturally high in vitamin C. That's why rose hips are so high in vitamin C. So it gives a little tanginess to it. And it's not too perfumey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes if you use like a rose flavoring or something like that, it can be a little too floral and overbearing, but I like the subtlety of the floral. Um, uh, but I do, I love drinking my flowers, you know, ancient man, mm-hmm. that's what we would do. We'd go out into the fields, we'd harvest herbs and flowers, we'd ferment them and then we would drink them. And so we, we have, we have a old history of, of eating our plants and flowers. So that's my favorite. And then my husband, the one that turned him onto it, um, cause you know, those first batches were not my best, and uh, some of them you had to hold your nose a little to get them down. But over time, right, this is where that practice kind of leads to be a, a better, um, a better brewer. Uh, I made pink lemonade, so that's going to be mm. strawberry, lemon juice, and thyme. And then in the summer, I love elderflower lemon, so I use the flowers of the elder tree, with a little lemon juice, a little lemon zest. There's so many you can do and get so creative. I, mm-hmm. I love um, how creative everybody gets when, when they start experimenting with this stuff. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, I, I think that's a really yeah. cool idea to, to uh, brew flowers. Do you grow your own roses and actually use that for the kombucha? I have roses, um, but I don't use those petals. I just find gotcha. it easier to use rose petals. We get them. We have them. <laughs> we sell them as well. So if you want oh. rose petals in your kombucha or lavender, you can find them. We just don't sell like fruit, but we sell herbs. Like we have a root beer pack. So if you like um, the flavors of root beer, we have the sarsaparilla, the sassafras, the vanilla bean, and wintergreen. And you put all those herbs together. And again, you're getting that nutritional benefit. And, you know, root beer, ginger ale, these were all traditional herbally based beverages that mm-hmm. humans have been consuming for a really long time. It was only after prohibition that they got turned into like syrup um, and food colorings and carbonated water. Um, but before then, you know, you went to the pharmacy or the soda shop and they whipped up herbal concoctions mm-hmm. for you right there. And yeah. um, we just don't have that anymore. So yeah, got to make them I- ourselves. I remember I, when I was a kid, I um, tasted organic root beer, like actual root beer, and I was so disappointed because it <laughs> did not taste like, you right? know, for a little kid. I was like, what is this? It was so funny. This doesn't but, taste like Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't taste like A&W. <laughs> or or any of them. Totally, yeah. totally. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> well, and, the, and that's the funny thing is actually kids really love kombucha, especially if you know, if they're starting early, it's funny because like the parents will think, oh, they won't like that because it's sour. But then remember like sour patch kids. And, yeah. You know, I think kids love sour and sweet. And so actually kombucha mm-hmm. ends up being something that kids really love. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Do you have a favorite? What's your favorite, Brittany? Um, gosh, I really, I, I like a lot of the flavors, but um, I, I had a, uh, I think it was lavender and I think it was lavender and blueberry actually. Um, was one of my favorites. And then there was like a lemongrass and um, turmeric one, I think. That was delicious. So Ooh. good. There's there's so many good flavors that you can't really go wrong. <laughs> yeah, 
It's so true. And like, and so many of these are what we consider superfoods or mm-hmm. are, you know, have benefits that have helped people for thousands of years. I mean, like turmeric, you know, think about five years ago, nobody really heard of turmeric or with that. Right. Much, and now it's like everywhere and anti-inflammatory. Yep. And, you know, I, I think this is, it's a good reminder that human beings have been far more in touch with nature and the benefits of nature. I mean, you look at Hippocrates, which our Hippocratic Oath is modeled after this mm-hmm. ancient Greek doctor. And one of the things he said was, you know, all disease begins in the gut. Right. He also said, let food be thy medicine. And I think if we come back to those precepts and really take a look at what it is we're consuming on a regular basis, and I'm not saying, hey, throw out all the processed foods, because, you know, we live in the real world. Mm-hmm. Just like I'm not saying let's go back and live in dirt huts just so we can be closer to the earth, yeah. but, you know, we can prioritize getting our feet, you know, getting barefoot and walking in the grass and doing yeah. earthing and things like that. We can prioritize finding foods that are made with better quality ingredients. Um, they might cost a little more, but I think you find over time you'll end up eating less mm-hmm. because when your body gets the nutrients it needs, it then doesn't, like I said before, it doesn't need the quantity, it just needs the quality. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I think when we focus on processed foods we end up consuming a lot of quantity Mm -hmm. our body doesn't necessarily get all the nutrients it needs and so you end up over consuming because your body's actually like oh i'm still like i'm missing nutrients Mm -hmm. um and supplementation can help but it can only bring you so far especially because a lot of supplements those vitamins are in a chemicalized form and that chemical you know like every nutrient has a chemical drawing right has a chemical shape you can see them draw out the carbon and the bonds and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, those are like keys. And so the key for folate is different than the key for folic acid, even though they're both what enclosed, you know, B12 or whatever, they're supposed to be B3, whatever mm-hmm. um, that is. But, um, and so how your body responds to folic acid versus folate is very different. Mm-hmm. And what we're finding is over time, people who are relying on supplements end up with the same illnesses they're trying to avoid because their body can't process those chemicalized versions of nutrients versus the living version. Right. Yeah. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, so you had kind of uh, mentioned, I think at the beginning, um, there's uh, kind of something you guys talk about on your website, kombucha cocktails. Can you talk about those a little bit, what, what you guys do with those, how you create them? Absolutely. So it's like a little antidote with your poison. Um, There are acids created in the fermentation process of kombucha that help support a healthy liver and help uh, the liver function properly. And part of what alcohol does is it it creates an impact on the liver. The liver has to clean out the alcohol so that it doesn't toxify the whole body. And if the liver doesn't have enough of those acids naturally occurring, it can start to bog down. And then maybe you sequester those things, and not just alcohol, but you know any kind of chemical you're taking outside of your body. Um, it then sequesters that into your fat cells. Well, with kombucha, we are putting those acids that help our liver to function better into a mix with alcohol, means you get to enjoy the buzz of the alcohol, but then those acids help to clear it out of your system quickly so you don't experience the same negative effects. Um, so we, that's why we call it a little antidote with our poison because kombucha cocktails are really fun. Basically, you just take your favorite alcohol, your favorite kombucha, any kind of mixers you want, some fresh juice or things like that, throw it together. It tastes really good. And like I said, you still get 
you know, a little bit of your alcohol buzz, but then later on you tend to sober up more quickly and um, you just don't have those same negative effects. And sometimes I also use it as my hangover cure where if I go out and party too hard, this doesn't really happen much anymore, <laughs> uh, but it used to, you know, how growing up goes, but um, yeah. uh, some nights I'll have two, you know, three glasses of wine and that's three too many or whatever. And by going and grabbing a little bit of kombucha that again helps to support my liver, helps to get rid of um, those negative effects and again the B vitamins right mm -hmm. if we look at some of these hangover cures or hangover drinks or whatever we can buy at the store what what are they chiefly relying on it's those B vitamins which are already present in kombucha in the living form yeah wow that's awesome I don't think I've ever even heard of mixing kombucha with alcohol but why not it's better than mixing uh coke or something <laughs> coke and exactly rum or, right and yeah. then having kombucha on tap in a bar is really great because so first of all, you can have kombucha cocktails, which are fun and fanciful. Second of all, people who don't want to drink but also don't want a Shirley Temple or a yeah. soda, mm -hmm. now they have a really fun, bubbly beverage that looks neat in the glass and has a wonderful flavor profile to it. And then, of course, your designated drivers. Like maybe it's just your turn to be the sober one, and that's a great way to have a better product choice available as opposed to, you know, just being stuck with whatever's uh, coming out of that gun. Yeah. So kombucha is, is really versatile in that way. And a lot of folks report, myself included, that the more kombucha I drink, the less alcohol I care to drink. So it mm. actually kind of quells my alcohol cravings when I drink kombucha because I'm just, I just don't desire it in the same way. Yeah, yeah, wow. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for just telling us all about kombucha. I'm I'm definitely going to go home and make some myself. I'm I'm much less intimidated than I was before. <laughs> so, thank you Yay, so much I'm for so that. Glad to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. So, where could our listeners find you if they uh, wanted to look up more information about kombucha? Absolutely. So, we're all over the interwebs and we've got some really great resources out there. Of course, our website, Kombucha Camp, that's camp with a K because I'm cute and clever. <laughs> all of those are with Ks. Um, uh, but awesome. kombuchacamp.com. You can go to our YouTube channel to see a bunch of different videos. Um, we've got kits and all kinds of any kind of fermentation supply you could be looking for. Not only do we do kombucha, we do it raw honey, green tea, cousin Jun or June. You've heard of that. We also then have milk keeper and water keeper, and all of these are in a living form. And then if you're a book person, we have a really fantastic resource called The Big Book of Kombucha. It's 400 pages. You can pick that up at your favorite bookseller, Amazon, online, or, of course, at the Kombucha Camp store as well. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much, Hannah, for being with me, and thank you for all your information and all your insight on kombucha. Thank you, Brittany. Really great to connect with you. Before we go, I want to take a second to thank our sponsor again, NHC, an online vitamin and supplement store that sells a wide variety of quality, professional, and retail brands. Thanks again to Hannah for joining me today, and thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in. To listen to more episodes, go to AliveAndWellPodcast.com or check us out on SoundCloud or iTunes. You've been listening to the Alive and Well Podcast. We'll see you next time.